Welcome to The View from the North Curve, podcast covering all things North Curve Celtic. I'm your host, Kev, joined as usual by Tony and Connor. A big thanks to everyone for tuning in again. I hope we're all keeping well. I hope we're all enjoying a couple of episodes that were fired out recently. This time around, we're pleased to welcome on Paul and Martin. We'll be with us tonight to talk about Celtic Shared, a fan-led campaign group set up recently with aim to change or with aim to push change in the way that the club is run. So I what we'll do as we normally do is dive into a wee quick break. It'll be two seconds for all use, but gives us a wee chance to get our stuff together. And myself, Tony, Paul and Martin will be back with you shortly. Cheers. How are we doing, Trips? Thanks, Martin, Paul, for coming on. All good, mate. Thanks for having us on. I look forward to it, mate. So, I think we'll just kind of start maybe a wee introduction for everybody. Celtic Shared, how this campaign sort of come about? Maybe, Paul, you better come in, mate. I'll be happy to, mate. Um, you know, we've kind of spoke about this now on, you know, another podcast. We kind of spoke about it uh, in depth at the kind of open meeting that we had a, a few weeks ago. But really, this campaign came about, you know, as a result of, you know, some of the issues that have clearly came to the fore throughout this entire season. Um, you know, it's no secret that things on the park have went from bad to worse. Um, but I think the kind of most disheartening thing from a fan perspective is, not just how disastrous the football has been, but how the supporters have been treated uh, by those that run the club. Uh, and it's led to a sort of, you know, gaping divide uh, between the fans and the PLC. So, you know, obviously there were protests and stuff like that, you know, around sort of November, December time, around the manager's position, you know, people were a bit unhappy. Um, and I think that there was a bit of a need that uh, was coming, you know, for some sort of fan body that could hopefully, you know, unite different factions, different elements of the support, but could certainly try and push uh, the club and place the club under sort of external pressure um, to, you know, act in the way that represented what the support want to see from their team and from their club. So, you know, there have been a lot of discussions about it. We'd been in you know, touch with different orgs, different buses, etc. Uh, and we felt that this was something that was needed to try and push, you know, in the kind of shorter term, you know, some of the stuff around, you know, fan engagement. You know, we've got some shorter term aims that we can go into in a wee bit, I guess. Um, but really, more than anything, what we want is for the fans to have a bit more say in how the club is run. So, as you said there, Paul, but the likes of the banners and the discontent with what was happening on the park and would you say that round about that time of the you know the sort of Annie Lennon stuff and the banners and all that that were that were happening back then was that a kind of catalyst for all this stuff to kind of kick on or was it before that or well, I mean I would say that there's probably been an element of the support that's always had grievances against the kind of PLC board then the kind of Lennon stuff comes about but this campaign certainly isn't about, you know, Neil Lennon or, or even about any of the kind of individual custodians at the top of the club at the moment. Really, I think once you get past that, you know, pretty terrible run in, you know, November, December uh, and before that even, really the problems are systemic, you know, and it's got to the point now that the fans are demanding change really from top to bottom. But I think, as I say, what they want is they want to have more say in how a club is run. Um, because we've just been ignored for far too long at this point. I think it's important to add, um, as much as we can all, I'm sure we can all agree that the, the season's been a shambles pretty much for, for the get-go. Uh, certainly for me, this has been something that I think's been lacking. There's been a, a kind of hole in the Celtic support. It's been This has been needed for, for a long, long time, to be honest. I think it's quite, quite important that we stress that this isn't just some knee-jerk reaction to you know, a shite season. This is something that's been, I think, needed um, for a long, long time. 
Um, well, you've seen you've seen that sort of over the years, even even with all the successes and all the you know the trophies and that that we're, we're bringing in on the park, but still you know a lot of the actions that we were doing in the section and you know against the PLC against Desmond Lowell. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Like it's been fucking. It's been all. It's, it's easy to say this now, but it's been it's been quite obvious that we were fucking heading this way for a, for a for a long time. Um, as you say, we've fucking tried to alert um folk inside the stadium and, and all the rest of it with the the kind of uh, the banners and fucking gutless and Malmo right through to uh, don't sleep at the wheel and everything in between. Um, and it's all just came to a massive head this season, isn't it? In the season, the all seasons. Um, so this isn't like I say, this isn't something that's after back of a few months of shite performances. This has been a collective failure over a number of years um, for for the guys at the top. And even then, like you mentioned, their game all like some of the sort of issues around like what on the park stuff and the fact that the groups obviously made an issue of you know the direction we've been headed in for a wee while. But there's been plenty off the park too. You know, it's really sort of eroded the like, supporters' faith in the club, you know what I mean, from the Offensive Behaviour Act, way back to, you know, the sort of, like, Thomas Cook days, you know, when they sold out the, the support for a wee bit extra dollar off, you know, a, a kind of travel mob. I think that the, the, the trust has just been eroded over time, but what's also eroded is, is fans' influence. You know, but, but how many kind of decisions can you really point to and say they properly consulted the fans on that? You know, we properly had a say. There's no many. You know what I mean? So you touched on the Thomas Cook King there, mate, and I remember I got to a meeting um years ago when this was first mooted, the Thomas Cook King. And it was a, a wee kind of group of different fans kinda of got together. I don't even remember where the meeting was held and called uh, it was called Wolfred's Wishes. I don't know if anybody remembers it. Um but basically it did pretty much zero impact in terms of uh, the Celtic board because it was such a small group and it's such a small voice and they could easily just palm it off and I think that that's why something like this is important in terms of like a uh, kind of collection of uh, different organisations and supporters to kind of give a louder voice so that if something like that occurred again we'd have a far bigger influence and a far better chance of actually saying no hold on a minute this isn't right and the fans are getting shafted here I think that's spot on what you say Martin because um when you were saying that it's, it's so easy for them just to say that's ah, a small group. So that's how I think the Celtic shared it's important to try to get as many as the support underneath the one umbrella as possible. So who can you tell us kind of who who signed up for it, who's been contacted? Is uh, just organizations like the Trust or can individuals join up? Can supporters buses no, we've um, we've already had a big open meeting uh, about a week or so ago, actually, um, and it was with various different organisations, representation um, for numerous buses, but as well as individuals as well, and a lot of them were kind of really passionate and wanted change as well, which was kind of really good to see. So it is literally Selic fans open to everybody. We've tried to reach out and contact as many buses and groups as we possibly can, but you know yourself with the fucking size of the support, it's, it's easier said than done. Um, but there is still emails coming in pretty much daily with new new people, new organisations, new buses want to join and get behind it. So it's only grown. So it's been really, really encouraging so far anyway. There's also kind of like some of the newer elements of the support as well, the sort of fan media, fan websites, getting in touch, you know, either, you know, like kind of offering support or offering sort of practical help. So, I mean, like there's no... Like kind of disguising the fact that this was kind of started by the group, and at the moment it's been directed by the group. But the hope is that we can move to a sort of more democratic structure as time passes, and we're already all sort of in discussions to try to make sure that you know we're in contact with all these different buses, these different uh, you know supporters groups, so that their voices are heard within select shared, so that we're sort of as democratic as possible. And we're representing people as sort of best we can. So um, I know we've been in touch with uh, these different, you know, people about that, and hopefully that will continue and it will develop as time goes on. But there's there's certainly scope to grow further. And if people want to get involved, what they should do is look us up on Twitter um, and email us at celticshared.outlook.com. Right. That's right, mate. Aye. 
Aye, so if they can send an email, what we're happy to do is add you on to like a, we've got a kind of supporters emails list at the moment. Um, and we email out updates, but also, um, you know, looking for input concerns, what are people wanting to be raised so that we can reflect that as best possible. I think it's good there that you say about how it's not just solely a Green Brigade project because we know that there's plenty of boys in the group who's no really too interested in it without the name of this service. Whereas there's boys like yourselves who are a lot more passionate, but the group kids need to own that we know that we're divisive with people, you know what I mean? And if we were to say this is this is your bot and we're running with it, then it's no good to to man their beast, you know what I mean? We need to get as many people as possible behind it. So the fact that you are saying that hopefully in, in future, you're is, is thinking about like just if there's individuals trying to get involved, let them get involved with the communications type stuff, just actually how the direction it. Aye, so in terms of what we're trying to at the moment sort of discuss, what's the best way to communicate with people? You know, it's like basic stuff, you know what I mean? Are we best setting up a chat? Are we best using one of these apps? It's sort of... Uh, available nowadays to communicate with folks. So we're, we're looking into that, but what we don't want is for like it to be a sort of small cabal within the group still running things a year from now. Do you know what I mean? We, we're, we're trying to get away from that as quickly as possible. And as you say, Tony, look, we've all been down the block long enough to know, you know, like how pe some people are going to view the group. None of these are precious about it. Some people will love the group and some won't. It is what it is, but at the same time, as much as there's, there's a load of division among the Celic support and People are, will argue over absolutely anything. But one thing I think that the vast, vast, vast majority of ordinary supporters can agree on is that the Celtic support should have more say in how the club is run. It's that simple. Any other debates or arguments can be had another day on another platform. But if you believe that we should, as a support, have a bit more say in how the club is run, then we want you to get involved. Mm -hmm. I think it's just important just to uh, a wee hang I want to add in there is, is a lot of people probably quite rightly and understandably did have concerns and thought that this was just going to be a, a pure Green Brigade thing and, you know, they just, they just didn't like us, but they dialed into the meeting anyway and came away for it. Like the amount of phone calls and messages I got after it, like really encouraged and really, really into it and wanted to be a part of it all of a sudden because you see this wasn't a Green Brigade thing, this was a Celic supporter thing that the Green Brigade had just kind of got off the ground. So... Like I say, the, I think that the it's became quite clear over over the kind of last couple of weeks in the meeting that that this is for everybody. You know what I mean? It's not just a it's not just a group thing. I think it's key. That's key. Using I've said that before about our podcast here and having this sort of platform uh, because as you said, uh, Paul, about you know the likes of Twitter and Celtic media and different things like that, different ways of communicating with the support. But I think it's it's key just to get the boys on and just let people listen to, you know, our side of stuff and it comes across a lot better as opposed to, you know, reading emails and, and different things like that. I don't, I don't know if it was, if this was going to be part of being spoken about later on, but see what you were saying there, Paul, about Celtic fans having just a bit of a better mercy and things. I mean, he's, if we say that to kind of normal punters or if I was to say that to my mates, they're basically thinking that we want to fucking decide the new manager, want to decide new players, want to decide the fucking if there's going to be a director of football. But it's it's nothing like that at all, is it? It's it's no it's no saying that we want to have this big fucking say in the boardroom and saying right we're putting such and such in charge. It's basically like you, you mentioned earlier about Thomas Cook. Now, if Celtic had discussed the organisations prior to these decisions did they save themselves a lot of hassle same with the poppy stuff we had the poppy started we had three year of fight with them brass necks in the press before they eventually no, I'll, I'll be brutally honest they eventually gave in is and we won because we embarrassed them that much but they could have saved their all, themselves all that hassle if they'd have spoke prior to it well prior to and say listen we've got a date for this season because it's anniversary but it'll no be back on it again I think people would have says fair dues kind of thing and there's a whole host of other stuff like that so it's it's more these kind of issues you're thinking here and know actually who the fuck we're going to be signing I think you've just sorry just one one thing I think you've just hit the nail on the head regarding particularly regarding the poppy thing um, I remember Selig just did not I remember Law and that they just did not expect the kind of backlash they got for the rest of the support um, on that 
and that's that's a poor reflection on them. They should have been aware of that, but because they didn't engage with any any of the support before it, they were caught in the hot basically, and they were just totally underprepared, uh, and it led to a fucking a total PR public nightmare for them. Yeah, like judging by like our sort of group chat, the last thing or the last people I would want making decisions about who we should sign and who's the manager <laughs> would be boys in this group. You know what I mean? Um, so now nah, we get near. Like I, I do think that the club needs to sort of modernise, and I think that probably comes with some of the board members being held, you know, properly to account in a way that hasn't happened uh, for at least the last few years. But in terms of the issues we want to focus on, we want to fo- it's it's fan issues, do you know what I mean? Uh, it is making sure that we are properly represented and we haven't been for quite some time. Um, and and Gemmo hits uh, the kind of nail in the head about, you know, there, there's plenty of past examples, you know, like for me, one of the most prominent ones was, um, you know, round about this time last year, you know, like the kind of coronavirus comes seemingly sort of out of nowhere. Fatbush shuts down, we miss, was it five games or six games we missed in the season book at the end of the year? And, uh, you know, like, Celtic had, had went and, and spoke to the fans at that point. And when I say fan engagement, what I, um not making a stupid decision and running to justify it to the fans afterwards, see, had they consulted with the fan organisations properly before they'd done that, they could have put together a sort of release that would have said, Listen, we know that, you know, people have been laid off, you know, it's a lot of uncertainty with the pandemic, um, well, potentially in on the, an economic recession. If people need to take the money, then let them take the money, you know, that, that that's absolutely fine. But if you can afford to leave it in the club, please leave the money in the club because we need to try to keep the squad together and build to, you know, hopefully at that point go on and win 10 in a row. But what they done was really snide and really underhanded and they tried to sort of hide it and, you know, a far off corner of the website and make it as difficult as possible for people to apply for the dough back. To the point that loads of fans, including myself, thought, you know, I was going to leave that money there, but actually you're taking the piss, so I'm going to take it right back off you. And that was totally avoidable and it cost the club dough. There's no getting away from that. And that's just one of a hundred, you know, similar examples in recent years. And that's why, you know, this sort of change is so badly needed. I think you're on the on the money. And funny enough, mate, just earlier on, I was um, having a look at how other clubs have dealt with this. So I was pretty interested in, like, some other people who've obviously um, got the Welsh Society behind them. The letter for them to their fans, I'll, I'll not read it fully out, but a couple of paragraphs um, to their supporters. We have a duty to all our supporters and season ticket holders. There'll be no judgment on anyone asking for a refund. If individuals or families need this money, then please do apply and you will get it back. But we must be open about the financial impact offering refunds that it may have in the club. And then they go and explain the, the financial implications. But I think it, it said it all that, that they opened that letter by actually saying, listen, there's going to be no judgment on anybody. Um, the money's there. And it was, it was like fully detailed on how to apply for it. Whereas what Selic done was just put it in a tiny corner of the website, like I said, but it's fucking impossible to find. Um, and I thought it's, it's I'm, pretty shameful. I'm willing to bet a, a big percentage. I know you said Paul about yourself, but me as well. You know, probably a big percentage of everybody that took refunds and took the money that could have been put back into the team that could have, you know, made a, a better push for, like, say, at that time eh, going for the ten. It was just because boys were that pissed off about the way they went about it. It wasn't, you know, fair enough. There'd have been loads of people reading the door and stuff, but. Personally speaking, I was just that annoyed that the money would have been left in with the club, but you know what, you just thought, no, fuck you, I'll it take was, that back. It was fucking shocking, mate. Like, they had, like some other one commander, like, all they had to do was they'd set up like dedicated email addresses and, and that was done, just a dead simple transaction, that was it. Selic had us like, printing half letters and posting like, and signing them and faxing things and all the rest of it, and it was hidden away in the website. You could fucking, I found ShareGar easier than, than that. And, uh, it's actually a priority, but in it, like, you know, if your priority in that instance is your supporters, then that's what you do. You just be upfront and you make it easy. But if your your priority is just trying to rip off the customers, then you go the other way, and that's ultimately how we've been treated. Well, again, it backfired on them because, like I said, it, I, I think maybe 90% of the people I know who took the refund took the refund because they were pissed off at how the club went about it. If the club had actually engaged with the fans again, maybe that, that wouldn't have happened and they would have fucking saved themselves 
some money. Yeah. Instead of just coming out and saying, fucking listen, we're wanting to keep a hold of our big players, you know, in these these tough times, we're wanting to keep a hold of Edwards, your Ayers, and uh, these are the reasons just being up front with folk. I mean, that was obviously a mistake, keep on some of the kind of players that were running in their deal, but it's what we all wanted at the time, I'm sure. Um, and it was it was a gamble the board took, and I can understand it. But aye, a bit more transparency, just come out and, and being honest and, and, you know, treating us like supporters, as I say, rather than customers. But instead, they've just got that inclination, you know, if they're offered the opportunity to do the right thing um, and kind of treat as well, and if it'll just cost, you know, or maybe... Um, they feel it'll cost them a wee bit. They won't do it. They'll take the other route, and it's it's cost them a, a lot of bother over the years. That mentality. And I think and it shows that they've got the one person that seemed to be putting all sorts of fires is John Paul Taylor. Now, obviously, we've had him on this before. And I think he's a. I think most of us has dealt with him. I think John Paul is a great guy, but they hung they hung him out to dry as well. Basically, with the the January review stuff and all that, and people asking for refunds, it was all left down to him today as well. And if you look at any other club across Europe, especially the Swedish kind of models, it's all four, five, six. They're all six people dedicated to to blazing with the fans. Whereas we've got jump, we've got Celtic bigger than most of the clubs in Sweden put together. Your Hammerbees, your Gardens, I all put together. Celtic's probably got more fans. And they've got one guy trying to deal with it. Well, I think you've got the last Alexis that deals with a uh, kind of mango dog. She deals with, but she does as well. But they've got maybe two of them dealing with the supporters, and it's it's just not good enough when you get a club this size. I know John Paul. Like John Paul's great. Guys, I've got a lot of time for John Paul. It's one of the ones, and some days you think he's got the best job in the world. You know what I mean? Travelling to you know games, home and away, away in Europe and stuff like that. But see, like on a night like tonight, when Desmond just releases that statement out of nowhere, he's got the worst job going, you know what I mean? Just getting hounded on Twitter, trying to sort of defend the realm on his own. And it's 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 laughable that they, they put him in this position. And he sort of, I feel like they sort of use John Paul in a way that's really unfair on him, because he's sort of one of the only, if not the only employee in Celtic who is genuinely credible as a Celtic supporter. And he's sort of just, you know, flung out the gates and, and left to defend on uh, defend for himself when this barrage of criticism comes in. Because when I talk about like October, November, when we were, you know, we're just getting humiliated, it felt like week in, week out. And there was nobody to be seen, you know, Lowell, Lowell was nowhere to be seen, Bankhill was nowhere to be seen, Desmond was nowhere to be seen. It was just a, you know, single SLO sent out to... He does a he does a fucking great job. I think it's worthwhile adding as well. But it's just a pure thankless task. He's like firefighting constantly with that many sort of issues that are landed at his door. He's actually getting the time to actually go and properly kind of proactively engage with the fans on on issues that might actually kind of be bothering us and whatever. Um, you seen that even with the, the, the sort of January review stuff, where I think John Paul was actually on Twitter saying he sell you know through the through his own SLO. Um, account saying you know uh, well the club have promised it and uh, it should be happening but he was just in the dark and been as you as you boys are saying he was just left to hung it to dry type thing you could tell the exasperation for his tweets you know what I mean because um, he's obviously then, getting hounded then after that Celtic put the memo around all the employees that got leaked that anybody that criticised the club was going to get the bullet <laughs> as well that's right so that, just, that just shows you also mental but that sums up their, their mentality. They really thought that they could just sort of, you know, hide behind the bunker and wait this out. You know what I mean? It is that whole, you know, let's go to the pub for a pint or this die, dies down type mentality. You know what I mean? Um, and it's it's been a catastrophic disaster for, for them from start to finish. And even tonight, you know what I mean? About an hour before we come on here, you know, Desmond releases, you know, that statement that is just. Again, just another slap in the face to supporters, basically trying to say that because the board aren't uh, accountable to anybody, they're above criticism. It's just madness, but it encapsulates why a campaign for a proper fan voice is so badly needed, um, and that's why we've tried to get this off the ground. And Dermot Desmond interviewing Dermot Desmond. It was just <laughs> unbelievable, man. So, boys, as you sort of touched on their short-term kind of aims and you know, speaking about how I'm really no one anybody, you know, 
having a say in the sort of big issues, <laughs> managers getting players, different things like that. But kind of long term aims, what would you say is best? Sort of Celtic shared wants to achieve what like, fan ownership and you know, how do you think he's maybe ever get to that point years and years down the line? Or, well, I mean, well, up front about the fact that we do support in principle fan ownership. Now, that's not going to happen, you know, anytime soon. You know, we're realistic enough to accept that. And we also firmly believe that the Celtic Trust are the vehicle uh, for fan ownership because that's the only organisation in which you can, uh, who can sort of buy your own shares uh, collectively. Um, what I would say is, is that, you know, nobody expects, um, you know, like a, a kind of fan takeover anytime soon. But what you do want to see in the kind of longer term is a sort of build up of power through shares. You know, you know, in my lifetime, that might not be a majority. You know, that might only be, you know, getting to 20 percent, 30 percent in a way that would hopefully mean that the club could no longer ignore us as a block anymore. Um, but that is, you know, sort of in the distance a wee bit. And what we need to do, I think, in the meantime, is really convince the support on the merits of fan ownership. Um, because, you know, I, I'd imagine people have heard about it. They'll maybe know the odd wee bit, but they'll maybe, like, hear it and think, or oh, they just want to, um, you know, take over the board and install, you know, like David Lowe and Jeanette Finlay. Um, you know, in, in charge of the club, <laughs> when that's um, you know, all the with loads of tweets, aren't we? Game which like the Green Brigade want to, um, mm-hmm. you know, sit in the boardroom, want to run the club. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, could not get worse to be honest? Ah, <laughs> uh, you like we are, you know what I mean? We we accept that that's you know, no something that we would be kind of fit to do, and it's not what we want. But what we want is the fans to have more say particularly on who who's on the board you know that's how it works at like some other world. it's not that for every big decision they have like a twitter poll and every season ticket holder votes on who's going to start it right back for the game what it is is they'll have a vote you know every year at their agms on you know like the board members you know on their chairman etc on their ceo and it just holds these people to account and that's all you know we kind of want to get to but even that's some way off. Do you sell it to me? To me, then somebody that's as progressive as the next guy, but doesn't take a real interest. Like the, the share stuff when I was growing up, at the save ourselves and the sales for change. It was I was only just in my teens. You know what I mean? So families got shares, but if I'm being brutally honest, it's never really interested me. Uh, go to see the club. Obviously, the politics of the team. Everything to do with the group that does, but the shit, the share thing. That how can you persuade me that this is something to my benefit? I'm not even persuading me. Persuading, persuading my mates that are not involved with the group will say to me, "What the fuck is that? These are talking about what? How can you just like in layman's terms to people sell this thing long term?" Is I would just just before I let Paul jump in and answer that kind of mere fully, but I would just jump in and say like up until not that long ago, I was pretty much the same as you, Tony, and, and it kind of took a wee bit for me to open my eyes in terms of the importance of fucking us acquiring shares and, and starting to actually have made an influence and a say and what could be actually achieved um, if and when we actually managed to do that. But I'll, I mean, I'll hand it to Paul because I think he's kind of well-versed in the, the sort of fan ownership model. I mean, I, I get all that, Tony, and I understand why boys hear about it and just sort of turn off. But for me... As Celtic fans, there's one thing we all have in common and that we want what's best for the club. Uh, and then, you know, what a large element of us want is for the club also to sort of represent our values. And the best way to guarantee that that uh, is something that happens is for us to have more of a say in it. Um, in terms of, you, you know, like, I look at, you know, what's happened over the last, you know, six months or whatever. And a lot of that is because the support has no hard power. So when we had, you know, kind of protests, you know, people want to get rid of the manager, people want to change. When the board really wanted to double down, they could because we don't have the hard power. And the truth is, I mean, Tony, you're uh, a bit older than myself. But I when, fuck when off. We, <laughs> when we get, even we, when, you know, we look back in 20, 30 years, I don't want to look back and see that it's still the Desmonds that are running the club. 
mm. and that the support are still in the same position that when something happens it's down to you know some absentee billionaire who gets to decide what happens to my football club so see if it takes 20 years and we've moved up 10 15 percent in shares you know i'll not be delighted with it but it's progress um because what i don't want is for us to be constantly held to ransom by people who just don't have the same passion for the club that the rest of us do i would kind of throw it back out to like to like doubters or folk who like you're just will not entertain it why would you know want I say in the club that you love why would you be quite happy to hand that over to some fucking rich middle class posh guy that's got no interest in fucking say like football club but making a profit off it well, I mean, for, for me but who, who, who is who is better equipped to look after the interests of Celtic football club than the Celtic supporters and see even if you are you know the type of fan who maybe sits in the main stand and maybe thinks that you know Lawwell, Desmond, and Co have done quite a good job in recent years. Like, see if you had you know a, a kind of shareholding. There's probably more fans like you, and you can vote the way you want to. I'm not suggesting that it's fan ownership only to be run in the exact way that we want. What I want is for Celtic to be democratic, to be shared by those that care about the club. And for me, the only argument against that comes from you know, those who uh, take from Celtic rather than give to Celtic. I think there's a bit of a worry with punters and all, but mate, because if you were to ask people about clubs that are fan-owned, uh, you've obviously, in Ge- obviously we've got a limited amount of time on this podcast, but Germany's got the, the 50 plus one rule. And uh, obviously the big one that you read about the news with Barcelona, and then you see the kind of shit show with that. So I think... I, I think if you say to people like the, the the biggest, the most successful clubs, they don't necessarily seem to be ones that are got some sort of fan ownership. So how how would you say that? If somebody if somebody says to me about look at Barcelona or, or some something like that. Well, I mean Barcelona are one of the biggest and most successful clubs in the world. Um, and you would say, with the exception of the last couple of years, for the last fifteen years, you know they've. They've won the, the European Cup several times. They've probably produced the best club side that the world has ever seen. But we've got that a bit on Twitter, you know, and it's like, oh, Barcelona, uh, you know, that shows that, you know, fan ownership doesn't work. But it's a bit like saying, you know, look at Donald Trump. That's proof that democracy doesn't work. You know, we need someone, uh, you know, like some sort of dictator in charge who can make these decisions because the rest of us can't be trusted with it. It's that same mentality, but if you look at Germany's a great example, not just because, you know, Bayern Munich are currently European champions, the best club side in the world, but it's how the rest of German footballs work, you know, record attendances, uh, you know, fans, you know, the, in terms of the atmosphere, uh, it's probably almost untouchable in terms of the consistency across different clubs. The way that fans are treated, you know, the, the prices of, of tickets, the accessibility for fans to support their teams, and you know whatever way they want, if they want to sit in the main stand, um, if they want to you know sit with a beer, or if they want to go behind one of the curves with our mates and stand, you know, for me, you know the the German model is a perfect example because it's football that is designed for the supporters. The supporters are always in mind, whereas at clubs like Celtic and you see it at other clubs, you know that are run by, you know the likes of the Glazers or private equity firms or. Um, you know, Russian um, oligarchs or, uh, you know, sheikhs that have come in, the fans are, are, are very rarely uh, ever even considered. So that's why, you know, the ultimate selling point is that the custodians that could be most trusted were looking after Celtic are the Celtic support and there's just no getting away from that. You just touched on that there and all. Can you imagine how hard, once you get in a situation where you're owned like that, how hard it is to then like, reverse back out it? Once you're in the hands of like something like that, you're stuck. It, 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 I mean, like I know that some of the trust figures have spoken about that, and I'm not really qualified to get into that much depth on it, so I wouldn't want to um, kind of get out of my wheelhouse on it. But we are susceptible to, you know, a private in, uh, you know investment firm or private equity firm coming in, buying out. You know, all they would need to do is buy out Desmond and uh, Linzel Train. All of a sudden, we are you know, majority owned by people who, who I mean, you, you could argue about Desmond, but he has at least a tiny connection to the club. 
But if you were to, you know, there could be another situation that develops whereby you have people who come in who absolutely don't care, who only view Celtic as a cash cow. And then, you know, what is already a difficult fight, you know what I mean? Trying to uh, work towards fan ownership or, you know, greater fan engagement over time becomes almost impossible um, because, you know, a club is almost sort of taken out of hands by people who just don't care. So I think just as you said there about the German example, which I think in me and Tony have, you know, spoke about like a possible episodes that we could put out on here. I think that would be a real kind of good sort of interesting one, maybe even to get, we've got a lot of contacts over there and maybe one of them to, or somebody that's involved in that stuff to come on and speak about that kind of model and tie it all in because I think that'd be really, a really good sort of lesson. Um even just give everybody a sort of more no way obviously we're at the time on this episode but and no way get bogged down in it too much but give everybody a, a better insight into how things really work over there and, and, and issues and fan issues and different things like that but just to sort of bring it back you, you mentioned earlier on about the trust obviously being the vehicle for all this and the trust and how they're set up and you know, buying shares and then hopefully in time growing that way. Probably, Paul, maybe you come in again, mate, but share proposal, the stuff with, you know, how did the sort of share proposal come about, or what is it, maybe give everybody a better sort of bit of info on, on that sort of stuff. I probably need to give a wee bit of background, mate, so I'll try and uh, kind of ramble on too long. But a lot of this kind of stem fee, so last summer, um, so the kind of six of the main fan organisations at that time uh, met together and then met with Peter Warwell and the club about the upcoming season tickets. So I represented the group at those meetings um, and what we were kind of discussing was, so at that point we sort of thought that we would probably miss maybe five, six games because of COVID, but you would hope that crowds would be back, you know, sort of October time. Um, you know, because we were sort of past the first wave. Obviously, that didn't happen and things all went a bit pear-shaped for, for their own. But when we were discussing it, what we thought is, you know, fans have, have paid full price for a season ticket uh, and what you don't want is them sort of missing out uh, because there's been some games missed. So what we discussed was, you know, say, for example, you know, we missed five, six games, then what we wanted was to get six games back three at some point over the course of a period of time. So maybe get like a game or two back a year with your season book until that kind of date was squared off. So the Augsburg all sort of agreed on this approach. Uh, and then what we done is we met with Celtic um, and they, um, you know, sort of agreed with the principle of what we spoke about was maintaining the value or equal value uh, for what we were paying for. Uh, and they were in agreement with that sort of principle. But what they said was they couldn't commit to it um, in writing because of, you know, it would leave a sort of potential uh, liability uh, from a legal sense. But what they would do um, is they would kind of put out a statement committing to that um, and they would engage with us uh, as the season went on and make sure that fans did get that equal value for what they paid for. And then it was either the day after or a couple of days after they released the statement about added value. Um, but so when people talk about added value now, it's almost as if added value is like something you get in addition to, you know, the money that you've paid. But really what we paid was, you know, so I think my season book was about 550 quid. Um, but, you know, in terms of what we got for that, you know, like, for example, Divers, the former uh, host of this particular podcast, like he, he stays in Geneva and he'll get Celtic TV for the year for 180 quid. Uh, but that's for home and away games, so you have that. So he's basically paying ninety quid for the same service we are paying, you know, five hundred and fifty quid for. And and houses like mine and like yours, Kev, where our partners or misses have both get season tickets, you're paying over a grand uh, yeah. to watch a stream. So you know we'd been in sort of discussions, you know, like the different orgs been keeping in touch to an extent, but hadn't really heard for Celtic. Obviously, stuff was going a bit. Uh, you know, stuff was going to shit on the park. But then, you know, we, we met a, maybe a month ago now um, to discuss the option and the trust proposed this. And what they were basically saying is, look, similar to the, the kind of first meeting is, because of the kind of pandemic and because of all that's been on, 
you know, the club just doesn't have the dough to shell out, you know, like the 20 million in deficit it's into the supporters. It just doesn't have it. And even if, you know, if that were an option, I don't imagine many of us want to see the club try to rebuild, you know, given the amount of change it needs made, they need a new manager, a new def- uh, director of football, basically a whole new squad. You want us to be able to build for as strong a position as possible. So what the trust was proposing was that rather than, than taking that door uh, or, or demanding that door, is that they came up with a proposal that meant that everybody could win. You know, Celtic could get rid of this sort of debt that they owe the fans, that they promised the fans. Um, you know, fans would be repaid for loyalty, repaid for the amount that they put into the club. And also it would give the support in one fell swoop you know, far greater power in how the club is run. Um, and what they proposed was, is that, so say you paid 450 quid, or 550 quid, um, you know, take 90 off that, um, and what you would get is you would get £460 worth of shares, um, ordinary shares. So there's two types of shares, I'll not bore everybody with the technicalities, but there's two types of shares. So there's preferential shares that, um, you get like a dividend from so you you if the club makes money you get a dividend at the end of the year, but we don't want that. What we want is uh, an ordinary share because that's what allows you to vote. Um, and you know this is a proposal that the trust already put to the club. I think it's under consideration, but the only way that the club are going to even remotely consider this is if enough of the support can be convinced that this is a good idea, that this is to their benefit. Um, so that's one of the reasons we want to come on and discuss this. So, as you said there, mate, about, you know, the likes of the club and the deficit, the likes of the 20 million and different things like that, but would this way, sort of, would it cost the club any money at all? Would it, you know, they're, they're losing shares, would that end up costing them or hitting them in the pocket type thing? No, nah, so wouldn't it cost the club money in terms of the 20 million? There'd maybe be like a slight, like, kind of administrative charge just for sorting out the practicalities of it, but it wouldn't cost the club money. And they're sort of keen to point out that, you know, they changed the terms and conditions, so they say that they don't owe the fans anything, but they've absolutely got a moral obligation uh, to repay the fans for the loyalty they've shown during this sort of uncertain period. In terms of you know, the other thing that you sort of get mentioned is, you know, does it dilute the shares? And the reality is, it will dilute the shares just very slightly, but it will only dilute the shares in a meaningful way to the sort of billionaires and millionaires who have large holdings. So your Dermot Desmonds, your Linzel Trains, these are the guys that will be affected. So really the club's got a choice to make. Where's their priorities lie? Does it lie with the supporters or does it lie with the billionaires that, that, that own um, you know, a large percentage of the club. And I think that's what's important. So at the moment, there's, I think there's 94 million uh, ordinary shares in circulation just now. Um, so you would be adding, you know, 20. So if, if we're saying, and this is sort of, you know, back of that kind of fag, fag packet calculations, then you're talking about 20 million the fans are owed and the shares are about, uh, that would come to about 20 million shares. It's about a pound a share. Ever take. So what that would mean is you would go to 114 million shares. So the support right away would have like you know it's like 17 and a half percent um in terms of you know the kind of voting power that the support would have when it comes to the AGMs. So see as much as you know me flinging all these numbers is going to bore people, especially like you know some of the boys in our section that don't really uh, know what this is about and, and maybe are kind of getting turned off a wee bit with all this kind of technical chat. See what the reality is. See where are holding that size. See if the next disaster comes along on the pitch or the next issue arises. The club just can't ignore us the way that they did um, in November and December because we would finally have hard power to hold them to account. And I think that's what's most important. This opportunity is it's once in a lifetime. You know what I mean? It's never going to come again where you've got an opportunity to, um, you know, sort of demand a huge shareholding like that be given democratically over to the support that would give us, you know, much more say in how Celtics run. It's not going to come again in, in any of our lifetimes. So what we need people to do is support this as vociferously as possible, get behind the campaign, you know, share it on social media. We've got some more content that's going to begin out this week, hopefully. Um, and, and do everything that you can to convince people that this is the right thing to do because if we miss the boat here, we won't get another opportunity like this again. 
See, just on the dilution of the, the shares thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if if the if the share price is diluted marginally um, by this, but it means that we then can keep the money in the club ahead of what's going to be a mammoth rebuild this summer. There is a £40 million Champions League bounty for the league winner automatically, pretty much automatically in May. Would that not just effectively increase the share price again anyway if we're exposed to the riches of the Champions League and, and all the rest of it? Well, I mean, there, there's definitely an argument to be made that, you know, given how sort of pissed off the support is and how, you know, like scunnered everybody is with everything, that if you could in one swoop get everybody back on side, get everybody looking forward to the new season and feeling like they're part of the club again, there's definitely an argument to be made that that would have a positive impact on the share price. But what I would say is, the share price only matters if you're planning to sell it. How many ordinary fans with tiny shareholdings, like Tony, you mentioned there, like your family or whatever's got shares, and most normal partners with shares have got them in like a frame because they bought them in the 90s or they bought them in 2005, and they, they sit in their wall and that's it, they don't do anything with it. How many of them are, are, are likely to sell their shares in the next year? It's not, it's not going to happen. The only people it's going to impact are... Um, you know, as I say, the, the investors who who might be considering selling, but really, this is something that would be a boost to the whole club. Another thing, another thing for that, just so sorry there, Kev, was think about the the kind of next or the new generation that would bring into the club as a, a as a shareholding group in terms of the, the kind of youthful enthusiasm. When was the last time to share issue? Thirty years ago or something like that. This would bring, 2005 kinda, was the last time for Lexington. Right, so, I mean, this would bring mere energy, mere enthusiasm. Folk who maybe wouldn't ordinarily even consider having a share would all of a sudden have shares in Celtic and, and had a, have a kind of greater say and a kind of a kind of mere diverse dynamic, if you like. I um, think that's the thing as well. There's this mad myth that we're just talking about share issue that, you know, you look at Dermot Desmond, who's uh, the kind of major shareholder, so he owns... It's around about 34.7%, 35%, if you're rounding up. He got that share percentage through investing about £35 million, um, between 1995 and 2005. The Celtic support put in not all that far off that same money this year and get absolutely fuck all back. You know, we, we've, we've put in easily plus £25 million, um, and we've got nothing back. And we put that money in the club every single year, yet... The same people um, have, you know, full power over the club, whilst we don't. And one of the other kind of points to make, I think, as well, is see what other clubs have done. You know, like what me and, and Martin and some of the other boys have tried to find out what we can, and it's it's kind of difficult. You know what I mean? Because there's not a huge amount of detail about it online. So a lot of the times, what we've had to do is speak to boys that we know that follow different teams in Europe. You know, in Sweden or Italy or Germany or wherever and asking them and going, you know, what's your club done about the season books? And from what we can find, there's absolutely no club, none, doesn't exist, that sold 53,000 season tickets at full price and gave their fans a stream and told them to fuck off. It just it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened anywhere. The vast majority of clubs, um, you know, the bigger leagues and the smaller leagues, if it's a top-tier league, the vast majority of clubs that we've been able to identify either didn't sell season tickets and just sort of suspended them for a year or did sell them and have gave fans back a refund for missed games. Um, there, there's a couple of examples of clubs who had uh, like sort of deposit systems. So they ask fans to pay 10 20% and then that keeps a book for the next year and that money comes off their next season book. But from what we can find, nobody of like the kind of stature um, in revenue of Celtic um, and the number of season books we, we've sold, there, there just isn't another club um, that has, you know, shafted the support um, the way that Celtic have. So you get people coming on and saying, ah, but we're not due a refund. But we only think that because we only know what's been on at Celtic. It's when you open your eyes to what, how other fans are treated, do you really get how badly we've been um, we've been shafted here? The thing is, a one-one proposal's been put to them, right? See if they don't do it. What's the alternative? They send us out letters next month saying, "Give us another five hundred quid for a season ticket." That you met with me, there's still no guarantee we're going to be back in games in August. Mm-hmm. So they, are they going to say not to us here and say, "By the way, but we still want another five hundred and fifty quid"? Yeah, 
for a season even, ticket that you might not actually get to use again. One of, one of the rumours, and I know the Celtic support's been brutal for the sort of ending of rumours this season, but one of them that was kicking about, you know, a, a couple of months ago was that there was going to be like a sort of 30% um, discount offered for season tickets. So even if that is the case, that will cost the club far, far more money than this proposal. That will just be them telling you that they care more about protecting the shareholders than they do the good of the club. Aye, and that will come back as the reason why we fucking don't win the league and all, probably. Aye, like, and the fans will be blamed again. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I know, just for... sort of touch in as well, hey boys, about, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but just on this sort of share proposal that's been proposed, sorry, I'd sort of seen, and Tony kind of touched on it earlier about maybe explaining it well, sort of layman's terms to because I'd seen kind of responses to the trust, I think it was, through possibly Twitter or through one of the fan forums. And, you know, maybe guys that are just no picking things up, right, or maybe a bit stupid and just not really grasping it all, but boys that are turning around and saying, oh, I've no I've use for shares. I, I don't care about shares. I just want cash going into my pocket. And I, I thought it was key. It was maybe Jeanette that had issued a couple of wee responses specifically to them saying, no, that's not what's happening here. It's no, it's no a question of you know you know getting cash. The, the trust actually purchasing the shares off of them. Incorrect if so, I'm wrong here, mate. So the trust has offered to you know because I understand like as we said before, like this has been a period of uncertainty. Folk have lost their jobs. Uh, we are in you know a, an economic recession. So I can totally understand why folk are saying no. I want my door and see if I could campaign for them to get their door off the club and I felt that um, it was at all achievable then we'd maybe do that but the reality is they're not going to do it and it would harm the club as well so for what the trust have done is that they've promised to if Celtic do um, agree to this the trust will buy back as many shares from supporters um, as they can afford to as they can I've seen that but you were talking about the, the share issues and in 93, 94, well, 94, I think it was. I can remember my family and all that, and it was, it's, it's, it's not even an investment per se. It's, it's an emotional thing that you're just, we were raising the money because McCann was coming in, and I think, I can't even, I think we did the, the support raised over 10 million when we raised shares at that time. But nobody for the support that I knew was looking for that money back, as you say, as it's all in frames. Yeah, so you're proud that we helped get the club back onto a level footing kind of thing after the fucking mismanagement for the Kellys and the Whites. And I think if Celtic shared and if the trust, if you, if it's played right, then this younger generation, as Gemma was mentioning, that can be our bit of pride instead, instead of us taking the two-ton, three-ton, whatever it may be. That, that This can be our kind of fucking share issue and saying, right, this is us getting back to the club and having that bit of pride and we're, we're owning it and like when it comes to AGMs and different stuff like that people maybe feel like they feel a wee bit more party type thing I, so, I, I, think, I, I think another good point as well is I think a lot of punters seem to think that like in order to vote at the unity like personally go along to the AGM and unity like be pure inch into all the different votes and proposals and stuff like that see if you want to do that great you know what I mean? Fantastic. You go along and, and hopefully it would mean the club could be more democratic and it could be more uh, like approachable and easier for people to do that type of thing. But see, even if you're no, there's organisations that you can dominate your vote for um, that will vote in your interest without you needing to go to all that sort of effort if that's not what you're into. So I don't want people thinking that, you know, they think that because we are proposing that they get, you know, 400 uh, odd shares given to them, that there's a you know, a sort of responsibility that they're expected to then act like, you know, like, like a, a sort of investor shareholder who's constantly having to check up on the share price and these pot and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, obviously what we want is for the support to be more engaged and to take more, um, you know, have more a say in how we're run. But see, fans are quite happy to just do that and then give them over to the other fan organisations. Um, you know, nominate their votes to organisations for EGMs they can do that as well. Um, and as I say, it will mean that you'll have more ordinary punters having a say rather than, you know, private equity investors for London 
that you know couldn't find Celtic Park in a map at East End. I think with the, the AGMs and all that, every time that people talk about the AGMs, they're usually like you know like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, midweek, ten o'clock in the morning, half ten or something, and, every, and everybody I know is always grafting. Like, see if this share this share issue thing did come off, then people could be pushing for it to be on a, a Saturday. Like Desmond's not going to trap anyway. He's not trapped in the last fucking 12, 50 years or something. So that shows you his interest. But people could, that could be something so minor that it could be pushed for it to be on a Saturday. I don't know if there's legal implications for that. But then people, you could be gone and it could be more people there and just feel, feel, actually feeling like you've got a bit more of a say in it. I don't know about the Saturday stuff, mate, but what I do know is that it's not designed to be easy to know. It's not yeah. designed for normal punters to be able to get in and have their say and then, you know, have a vote and it matters. It's really, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a you know, it's a uh, orchestrated show, you know, um, where they have these, you know, pre-agreed questions, answers ready, um, and they all just vote on the same the same faces back onto their board. It's it's a nonsense. It's, they, are, they are true, all, your, all these non-exec directors and all that, that are, their, their actual roles is to hold these cunts accountable for what they're doing. And they probably get sent out a, you know, a, an email in advance say, this is what you have to say at this point. Money for bugger all, and they've been sitting in any positions for, what, 20 years? 15, 20 years? In terms Max. of, like, the, the way that it is set up, there, there's obviously, like, a total culture of conformity around the current board, and that's partly the problem, and it also is partly what makes, you know, Desmond's statement tonight, you know, totally laughable. But as you say, Tony, like, a lot of ordinary fans are sort of put off the share stuff, because you think that's not for me, but that's because it's not been designed for them at this point, and it's because the club have got the power to just ignore ordinary fans. But see if we can get behind this proposal, then as I say, you know, in one fell swoop, a seventeen and a half percent of shares uh, immediately. And see the other thing, Tony. See you talk about like, your family, like the we say the shares that are up in the walls. There's uh, approximately maybe approximately between 20, 10 and 20% of shares owned by individual fans out there that are that don't that don't get used, that are unconsolidated, that people have, you know, got framed and they've moved house and they've not really registered at the new address and they don't vote. And see if you were to combine all that, all of a sudden we've got as many shares as Desmond does. You know what I mean? Uh, and the, 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 the sea change in that would, in terms of the way that the club would be run, particularly in terms of the way it would treat supporters, would be absolutely massive. Um, and I understand why, you know, a lot of this seems pie in the sky stuff, a lot of it seems as if it's just impossible. But I'm sure that when, you know, Celts for Change uh, were started, you know, that seemed impossible to remove the sort of dynasty that was running the club into the ground at that point. You yourself know, Tony, but it would have been like when the group was started, you know what I mean? And people laughed and fucking took the piss and, you know, nobody expected the group to get to the point that they did. Myself, I experienced it with the Fans Against Criminalisation campaign when you're coming up against a majority government, a nationalised police force and a press that absolutely hated us. Yet we overcame all the obstacles. So as difficult as it may be, I wouldn't be one for writing off your Celtic support if we can get together and get behind this. I was just about to say, mate, as, as wanky as it sounds, if, if any support base can do it, it's your support base, um, 100%. See what you're saying about the shares in that there in Opal. But see, punters that are sitting listening to this and now, and know that their granny's boat shares, or their mom and dad's boat shares, or their granddad's boat shares, and stuff like that, and all it is, is sitting in a frame, or stowed up in the loft, or in the garage or something. But what would, I know this is probably taking half the sale share thing, mate, so apologies. So, but how would, what would somebody probably, what would their step be to get it in their names? Oh, you get that all back in, or does that make a question for the trust? I mean, it is, it is made a question for the trust, but I can do my best at answering it. So I know that the trust wherein uh, came an agreement whereby Celtic now host a page on their website that is a sort of how to re-register, or whatever the term is, I think it's re-register your shares. So you can go on to the Celtic website now, and there is a link that you could use and get and put in your details or you know your family members' details to make sure that your shares are properly registered. What I would suggest is if there's any kind of questions on that, you can raise it with the trust. Um, but it is a bit easier now. And I think the trust were, before the pandemic, the trust were planning on making that one of their big pushes. 
you know what I mean, like trying to consolidate shares that are out there. But obviously the pandemic changed and then the new season and, and everything's kind of changed dramatically since then. Um, but, you know, in terms of the, the share stuff, we're absolutely clear that the trust is a vehicle. You know, we don't intend to ever be an organisation that, you know, buys shares uh, to be kind of collectively owned. Um, but what we want to do is just kind of try to unite the support as much as possible, place as much external pressure on the club, um, you know, as we possibly can to make sure that they're uh, treating the fans a bit better than engaging with the fans in a more meaningful way. Um, and then in the long term, hopefully, you know, some of this stuff we've discussed might eventually come to fruition. So I think we we sort of touched on it before, Tony, maybe even in that the last kind of recap episode that we've done, the, the, the group recap episode, sorry, about how, you know, all these issues and, you know, you are going as far back as the likes of the Poppy stuff and Thomas Cook was mentioned and different things like that, but it, there's only so much, you just get scun up uh, banner after banner and protest after protester outside the front doors and, Folk get scunnered seeing it, we get scunnered doing it, and like something like this, and although it is going to be, you know, a long, long term plan, but something like this is the only kind of like, sort of thing that's going to really see change or see any sort of decent change. I'm glad you kind of said that, Kev, because for me, this doesn't even have to be like something that's a pure confrontational like group either. I would want to see change and all the rest of it, but like, we want to be able to liaise with the club and the fans and all the rest of it, it doesn't have to be pure in your face, we demand this, we demand that, we just want to be heard, and, and I, if it comes to it, then we'll be a wee bit more confrontational militant, or whatever it is you want to call it, but it doesn't, certainly in this issue, the share issue, it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a confrontation here. Especially when it's it's win-win, you know what I mean, yeah. the club will benefit from this as well, um, it's, it's, see, look, for the, for the, from the club's perspective, it's a case of priorities. Where do the priorities lie? Is it with the fans? Is it with the good of the kind of you know the club for the long term, or is it with the hand for our shareholders? And we'll find out with our response. But you're right, Kev. Like, see if if we don't you know wage a campaign like this now. See in thirty years when we are doing podcasts, looking back at the good old days, but you know, no thing's going to have changed. It's going to be the same situation, except it will be other young boys that. Uh, you know, in front of the, the stand in the way that we were 10 years ago. I spell in banners. Oh, that was good, but Tips. Oh, sorry, on you go, Tony. No, I was just going to say, it's be, obviously that there's, there's that many different groups aligned with, with Celtic, you know, for us, to the trust, to the associations and all that, but I think a big thing to kind of point out is there's more people that's no aligned to a bus or no aligned to any kind of group who well, maybe just through this, particularly this kind of episodes, but you're no hearing anything for the club, felt that helpless. You know what I mean? And, and they've no got a, a bus to speak to a convener, or they've no got the group like us to discuss with stuff, or they've no got, they're no a member of the trust, or else the association or affiliation. So I think maybe with, with this thing he's running the new, it, it can maybe give, especially as there's no barriers to how you can get involved and how, involved you can be in organising it that this could be something for people who are just kind of no involve anybody to get into and try to lead the change for within kind of thing 100% over the last few weeks since we've kind of started this the amount of sort of real kind of positive contribution we've had for like individual fans who are not aligned with groups who maybe know at the time or the, they don't have the wherewithal or whatever to go and uh, to go and to go and join a group or whatever but the kind of input we've had for, for individual fans has been has been superb, to be honest. That's class. Oh, that was good, boys. Uh, I think we're obviously wary of the, the time and stuff. I think we've covered pretty much everything there. Uh, and it teases up quite nice, as, as I touched on earlier on, maybe about some future possible episodes. You, you know, Paul mentioned like of Germany and the, the models there. I think Scandinavia, Sweden. Um, having similar models uh, and obviously tying in with you guys as well as, as things going on I'll be getting you back on see how things are going but just a big big thanks to you for taking the time to, to speak to you every day a wee better sort of insight to what it's all about as I say it's obviously it's quite hard at times to just pick up things through social media and through the, 
the fan forums, I always think it's better actually hearing boys talking and coming on here and speaking about it. And, and I think it's a lot easier for your kind of average punter to sort of understand. But just cheers for, for coming on. Well, thanks for having us, mate. Enjoyed it. Definitely. And, uh, Kev, by the, Kev, by the way, see before we finish, mate. Yes, mate. Uh, there's been a few people asking. What did we have the two-minute break for at the start? Since we're on live here, mate. Cause I get slaughtered for that. Why, no, I'm just saying, Council saying, why do you have that big, long intro at the start? And then the boy Kev talks for about 20 seconds and has another break. <laughs> mate, I, thought, what, I thought I would find out the night, and I'm still no further forward, <laughs> and we're just wrapping up. I get slaughtered for that. I think I just need a break. Maybe that, that wee intro is hard. I spend all day at my graft trying to prepare that wee intro in my head. But, uh, no, it might, it's a, it might seem short to use, but let's just get our shit together, man. Try and get prepared. I just thought I'd bring it up, mate, just so I don't get pelters the next time. Still, still clear as mud. He'd be fair, but we done the, when we done the fact one, Chogan will tell you, Liam O'Hare, who's like a professional... Um, you're a broadcaster almost, and it would take him about six attempts to do the intro. So you always manage it in one cave whenever I've I've put Liam to shame. That's good, man. Really. I'll Aye. join him for that next time I see him. <laughs> yeah, boy, tech next. <laughs> right, no, that was good trips. Uh, just big thanks to everybody again for for tuning in. As I say, we had a wee absence here for a while, and but we've managed to fire some episodes out of late and hopefully I'll not be too much longer until we're back with you so aye cheers guys and speak to you soon